On this week's episode, I've got my girl Liz Castro with me today. She's born and raised in New York City. Yeah, she's a city girl, but she moved to Miami a couple years ago. She's now a digital programmer at Fusion Television. She's part of the Univision family. She's a Latina. She's killing it. She's an amazing photographer. She does amazing calligraphy. She's got a dope marriage. I mean, you name it, my girl got it. So come kick it with us. Come hear part of her journey and see how she walks in confidence, saves money, and doesn't go crazy buying sneakers. Unlike your girl. Come kick it with us. My girl, Liz Castro. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Butter P, and you are listening to Kicking It With Butter. I am here. I have someone amazing in my presence today. I'm super excited. My girl, Liz. Castro. Hey. Is that how they say it? Castro. How do Americans say your name? Castro? Castro. Castro. Liz Castro. Liz Castro. What is your your full name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Eileen Castro. Elizabeth. I feel like that's that's not a very Latina name. Elizabeth. Um, Well, it was my mom's middle name, and she decided to drop her first name and use Elizabeth. She loves it, so she named me Elizabeth. Elizabeth. My name is Amanda, so anytime I meet people... And I tell them my name. They always give me this look like, oh. I'm like, I know. They're like, Amanda, that's your name? I know. It's usually like a blonde hair, blue eye girl. Mm. Every Growing up, mm. every Amanda I knew was blonde hair, blue eye. Yeah, I never liked Elizabeth. I felt like it was so old lady. <laughs> but it's the one I got. It's so. a pretty name, though. It's a pretty name. Yeah. My, my name was actually, the choice was between Amanda or Jasmine. And they allowed my brother the choice. I was like, bro, why you didn't go for Jasmine? Dang. So Jasmine is my alias. Dang. Back in the day when I used to go out and stuff. Like, yo, what's your name, Shorty? Jasmine. Mm, <laughs> that was good. That was good. Listen, so um, I wanted to share something because I try to share this with everybody. I go sneaker shopping at least once a week, right? My husband and I. Uh, doesn't mean that I, like, buy all the time, but I, I look for sneakers, right? Um, so I went sneaker shopping this week. I bought two pairs of shoes. Had to. Had to do it, right? You're a sneaker person, are you not? Okay. I'm a sneaker person by marriage. I do have to say that. Okay. I will wear anything if it means we get to match. You do the matchy-matchy high school thing. I totally do it. (laughs) I think because, I think, I mean, Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was single a lot of high school time. Oh, so he didn't get to do the match like, thing. Oh, we never got to do that, you know? Okay. But, I mean, I love a good shoe. That's funny. I so I, I, uh, my husband corrected me the other day, right? Because forever I thought I was the one that put him onto the sneaker thing. He corrected me the other day. He said, that's not true. He said, I need to stop telling that lie. So I was like, all right, let me fix it. Apparently, when I met him, he did enjoy sneakers. The problem is he he couldn't afford them. Mm. So I'm like, okay. Now that he got married, right, he leveled up, and now he can afford it, <laughs> right? So I've brought in this, this whole sneaker thing. We enjoy sneakers together, but I've been collecting shoes since I was 16 years old. So I enjoy good sneakers. Now, my husband did put me on, because price never used to be an issue for me. My husband did put me on to how to buy sneakers on a cheap. If you can teach me that, I will be more passionate about it. Because you know what? I'm more of a minimalist. And I do think a beautiful sneaker is a piece of art. 
I love them. I love sneakers. And yeah, so if they're beautiful, I will go for them and I will pay for them. And my mom always says you got to take care of your hair, your nails, and your feet. <laughs> and so I always have to have good shoes. So yeah, I'm I'm with it. I'm with, I'm with your mom. Take care of your feet. My so I bought I bought two pair of sneakers this week, right? The one pair I bought, which I love, they're the new Adidas. They're called the D-Rups, right? I have to show them to you. They are super lightweight. They have like this netted thing. I actually bought a pair for my best friend to celebrate her book launch, right? Then I bought, bought a pair for my cousin for her birthday. And then I was like, man, these are really dope sneakers. Like I need to cop myself a pair. So I went and bought myself a pair. I love them. They feel like I'm wearing a pair of socks. Adidas really should hook me up because the last few pair of sneakers I've talked about have all been Adidas. But you can't go wrong with Adidas right now. You know, uh, I bought my first pair of Adidas, I want to say, what, two years ago? And it is like walking on clouds. I love it. I did not know. I'm very much, I'm like very much a Nike, um, Jordans, but Adidas, they feel great. I can shoot entire events in them. They clean well. They last long, and they're affordable, I feel, to the point that you can get, I'm all about budget, so I'm, you know, to the point that you can get multiple, you don't feel bad if you gotta let one go, so. (laughs) They are, they actually are affordable. Now, I will say, uh, some of the ones I get are a little pricey, but I don't mind paying for them, because I know that the quality of shoe I'm getting with Adidas, 100%. I'm gonna keep those sneakers for a long time. I have some all-white Ultra Boost, they are probably my favorite sneaker. Now, uh, I've probably rocked them to death. They're, like, filthy. But they're so comfortable. Some of my favorite sneakers. And it's funny because what you said, right, with the whole matchy-matchy thing, my husband. So my husband, he has this thing that he'll buy me a pair of shoes, and then he just so happens to buy himself the same pair of sneakers. Mm. Drives me nuts, right? Because he wants to wear them on the same day that I rock mine. I don't want to match sneakers. Like, especially he, he tries to do it on a Sunday, right? I don't, That's like... Bad. No, like, I, I, I'm cool with, like, you know, I'm all about couples um, complimenting each other, right? I That's totally love that. I think at. your outfit should always complement. Not match, but, like, complement each other. If I'm wearing blue and white, then, you know, you should be not wearing red and orange, right? Like, I think we should complement each other. I can't stand when he does it on a Sunday morning, though. <laughs> he wants to wear stripes together. He wants us to wear, like, our ultra That's boost cute. together. That's so cute. <laughs> but... You know, sometimes I do it to appease them. I'm like, all right, let's just go ahead and wear these together. And sometimes, you know, when then someone takes pictures and I can appreciate it. I'm like, oh, that actually does look cute. If you can ball it out does, with your sneaker game really together. It does, really cute. You and Ray, though, like, I have seen you. Your sneaker game is actually pretty dope. You know what? I, I think a couple of things for us is that Ray has put me on. If I like a shoe, I want to wear it. It has to be functional for me. And so what he's been doing now is he we get two pairs. So I wear one that I can wear mm. and then one for show. I like it. So, yeah. It doesn't really work with my minimalist style, but <laughs> it works. Yeah. We've been so doing that. When did, when, did the, when were you introduced to sneakers? Was it when you got married to Ray? I grew up poor. Poor, poor. And I remember I bought a pair of, what were they? They were Jordans, but that, they came up like this. They, like, crisscross them, they came up like this. They were yes. black with gray. Yep, yep, yep. It was, I was in high school at this point. And I remember a friend was selling them, and I bought them for myself for the mm. first time. And then um, I started wearing sneakers, yeah, like maybe high school time. But since I was so 
like uh, financially strapped and I started making my own money in high school. I've been working since I was 14. So for me, it had to be a good investment. Um, and I have very small feet. I'm a size six and a half. So we can get away with the kids' prices. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. There's no better to feel get a pair of J's uh, for like 60 bucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if they get dirty, I don't want them anymore. So do you clean them? Like, do you spend time no. cleaning your shoes? No, you can't be that person. You don't clean I your shoes. I'm actually kind of like that, too. He cleans his shoes every time before he leaves. Like, before a trip, he cleans his shoes. He's really good about it. Mm. But I don't. I also don't get dirty. So, I'll keep them as long as I can keep them. But if they look weathered, they're going to be done. So, you won't wear them again. Mm, that's no. interesting. I also don't keep a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm that person. I don't keep things. I, I, I keep certain things. Like, I can keep... Yo, I still have... I probably shouldn't even admit this. But I still have... A sweatshirt from my first Valentine's oh Day my gift God. that my one of my ex-boyfriends gave me when I was in high school. Oh and it was a Phillies, uh, <laughs> it's a Phillies sweater. Like I still have it. Not because of him, because I could care no, less. I get it. But it was my first like Valentine's Day gift that wasn't from my oh, dad. I'm not sentimental. No, I'm not sentimental either. But it's yes, a Phillies. You are. No. Is, it, is yes. that being sentimental? Yes. I just thought it, it was holds value for you. Yeah, it does. Well, I don't know. Maybe if I throw it away. The only thing that I have. The oldest pair of shoes that I have is is probably our wedding shoes. I wore uh, these beautiful sparkly Converse. That's, that's so that's, dope. I wish I could have worn it's, it's only six Why years. didn't I wear sneakers to my wedding? Like, I think about that all the yeah. time. We really wanted to make, wear matching Jordans for our wedding day. So you wore Chucks? Yeah, because they're super comfortable. I love it. Yeah. So, yo, you said you grew up on the more financially struggle part, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Where'd you grow up? So, I grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Sunset Park. Sunset Gunset. No, <laughs> and um, I am one of four. Um, my parents are immigrants. My dad was a bodeguero. He had a grocery store. Mm. And then when I was, he didn't really, he, he obviously raised everyone, but I'm much younger than my siblings. And so when I came along, it was his opportunity to sort of give that up and like, raise one of his kids like be in the house not in the store kind of thing and um we just grew up really financially strapped um I actually only realized how poor I was until I was married with Ray for a couple of years and he started talking about all his vacations they weren't lavish but he would like go upstate Niagara Falls we would go to Florida he had family vacations yeah even if oh, they wow. drove yeah and I never remember going anywhere and I was fine with that and I um remember it was I remember the first time I went to a mall it was because we went to a funeral I think it was nine. Oh wow I thought that you just bought at like the Salvation Army or flea markets I didn't know that that was a thing yeah and then when I grew up um my mom told me that she really encouraged my dad to buy their house. And she promised if they bought it that she wouldn't go shopping until they paid it off and they wouldn't do any vacation until they paid off. So they paid off their beautiful Brooklyn wow. home in less than 10 years. What? And I remember when I went to college, I was filling out my financial aid forms and my dad made $27,000 a year. It's a family of six because there's four of us, two parents. Um, and his, his entire entire so he has owned several properties in New York 
says is is tithing. That's his Come entire on. success. Wow. So yeah. did your mother work? No. So your mom didn't work. What country did your family my come from? My dad is Dominican and my mom is Guatemalan. Wow. So are they both immigrants? Yes. They wow. Both are. They both are. And uh, my older brother, he is, I want to say now he's maybe 46. Uh, he has cerebral palsy, um, aut- slight autism, he's on the autism spectrum, and mental age four. And so we not only were an immigrant f- family with immigrant parents, first generation uh, born here, but um, we also have a special needs house, mm. right? So that's a really big dynamic. And it's funny that you ask me where my parents are from because... Uh, one of the things I realized when I, I'm chatting with Ray and, you know, he is very much Puerto Rican. And I cannot say that I'm Guatemalan or Dominican. Yeah. Culturally, I'm Christian. And that's what Ray helped me realize. I don't, like, really eat very much Hispanic food. I didn't eat very much Hispanic food. I don't know the history, the music, none of that. I grew up super Pentecostal. So I, the first man I danced with was Ray. What? So you grew up in a straight up Pentecostal oh, yes. home, skirts down to your ankle oh, type yes. stuff. What? Oh, yes. And that guy, by the time I came around, my siblings were much older, I could wear like pants to school, but definitely more modest. So like I never showed my shoulders, never showed my cleavage, even now. Like it's not something that I do. Yeah. It's modest, toddest, you know, I'm very much along those lines. That's dope. Yeah. That's super dope. So you're, you said your father, so he, he owned a bodega, yes. right? So he got rid of it, like one, yeah, yeah. to raise you. So then what, did the, what was the financial income? He was already owning other properties at that time? or He, he owned another home. Okay. He owned several other homes. Um, I don't know, one, two. Uh, I know that he sold an apartment complex that he had bought with his siblings so that my sister could go to university. I think I think it's so important that we learn our our parents' background. Um, I think it's amazing when I hear uh, people tell me like stuff like this mm. that they grew up uh, financially strapped, but not even realizing it till they become an adult, right? Yeah. Because that means the parents did well at not putting the pressure on the kids, but they did whatever they had to to make sure the kids were good. And then it just teaches you like, especially in American culture, like we're so spoiled. Yeah. So. Uh, a lot, a lot of American kids now, like we're raising them to just have an living in abundance, right? Yeah. And so I think it's so cool to hear, like my parents. Um, you know, I didn't. Me growing up, I grew up in a middle class neighborhood, but I was we were born in the projects and stuff. And growing up, like I was kind of like the Cosby Show, so I thought everybody lived like that. But it was very odd. Like I was the only one growing up like that. Like I was the only brown girl in my neighborhood. I was the only brown girl mm-hmm. in my school. But I went to a all, um, I went to a Spanish Pentecostal church, right? So for me, like I thought everyone lived like that until I started getting older and going to my friend's house, and I'm like, yo, all my friends still live in the projects, like. But my parents, it wasn't that we had money. Like my parents just sacrificed so that we wouldn't grow up in the ghetto like they did, and I didn't realize that till I became an adult, and I was like, people, people were like, you grew up rich. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like. <laughs> People think that, uh, uh, people have told me that before, that they think I, I grew up well off, and I'm sure we're blessed, but not in the way that everyone thinks. But you said something powerful, like it's about giving, it's about tithing. 
I remember that was one of the first verses I ever learned. There was something really sad and horrible and amazing all at the same time. At my home church, there was this, uh, what do you say, cartulina, uh, a board, like a, I don't know, like a paper or something or other in the back of the church. And it had everyone's name on it. And it was broken up like a graph of every week of the year with everyone's name. And how much they gave? How much they gave. What? And it is super messed up now to think about it. <laughs> and it would it would not only show like a check mark that you gave, it would show the amount per week. Boop, 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 like that. This is super messed up. But as a child, mm. my desire was to be on that board. Wow. And I remember I must have been like four, five, and my dad would give me a dollar. And I would put 10 cents in my tithing envelope. <laughs> and it was my design. And then my name got up there. You know? And my dad is, you know, the verse in Micah, right? Test me in this, that I would not open up the storehouse of heaven. It was very much like, I knew that the numbers didn't matter. It was that God was faithful. Mm. And um, I've seen that in, in our life. My dad is one of 20. One of 20 kids? Yes. And um, my mom, her grandparents were, her parents were all orphans. And, you know, I come from nothing, right? There's this t-shirt that's amazing I saw on, on a show. It says, I am my, I am my ancestor's wildest dreams. Mm. And so for me, it's really all about having a life of gratitude. And I don't need the best. I don't need it all now. And one of the things that, especially when I moved to Miami, this culture is so different. Maybe not, but the way that I was introduced to it, I'm at a different economical level than my parents were when I grew up. Yeah. Right? And so moving here to a very nice place, which is the same rent, right? The cost of living is different, right? <laughs> so same rent that I would have paid in New York, but it's very, it's like luxury. To me, it's luxury living. Yeah, like what you paid in New York is like... I live in a summer Brooklyn, basement. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you come to so, Miami, you're like, whoa. Exactly. And then I move here. And for me, I guess because of where I live, it's all show. Mm. And then one of the things that really impacted me was I'm a huge Dave Ramsey follower. And his daughter, Rachel Cruz, was speaking about something one time. And so she went to a dinner with her mom and her dad. And her mom had this beautiful purse. And she was like, oh. If I move things around, I could really get that for myself. And it was a really expensive purse. And she was like, okay, well, you know, if I move stuff from here, whatever. And it dawned on her, what makes me think that I can afford the same things that my parents took 30 years mm. to get? What makes me think that I can have it now? And that's the same thing I think. We have, obviously, we have goals, but for us, it's much more long term. Yeah. And I think that in the culture here in Miami, it's, very immediate. Yeah, so it's, it's like I want it now. That. I get it now. Mm -hmm. So I think I I, I want to hear what your transition was like because growing up in New York, that's a whole different culture in oh, itself. Yeah. Like I grew up in Pennsylvania, right? So not too far from you, but growing up there and then moving to South Florida was like culture shock for me. Uh, like I said, I grew up I grew up in a decent neighborhood. My dad just worked his butt off to make sure that I just grew up different than he did. Right. Um, and I appreciate that so much about him. And that's why now as I'm older, I have my own kids. 
I strive to make sure that my kids grow up better than I did, mm -hmm. right? Um, but moving from Pennsylvania down here, it was like, yo, there's, first of all, palm trees to me felt like I just got into heaven, right? Getting off the airplane, I'm like, yo, I'm never leaving this place. That was the first thing I noticed. The second thing was no one drove like a bucket out here. Like no one drove a cheap car. Like there was no beat up cars here. Like even if you drive a Toyota, like it's a nice Toyota, mm -hmm. right? Like me growing up, everyone either drove a Toyota or a Honda because I'm Puerto Rican. That's what we drive. <laughs> and usually there's rust stains. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it, no one's got like, you know, usually your, your car is at least older than five years old, right? Mm -hmm. It's at least eight, ten years old. So moving here, everyone had a nice car. Like I was, that for me was like, oh snap, this is, this place is really about making it. What was the transition like for you? Because you came down here as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I was an adult moving. So what was that transition like moving down here? Oh man, it started from my interviews. I came down here for work and um, I hated it. Miami was so hot. <laughs> It felt like Satan was just like breathing in your face, and it was so. It was winter. So you, oh, really? It was you came in winter? I was so hot. My hair was shorter, so I looked like a cheetah head. <laughs> I was such an idiot. For, I straightened it. Oh, that's the interview. worst. Oh my <laughs> god! It got to the point that Ray, we went to um, Walmart, and Ray asked me to please get a hair straightener. Oh my god! I looked. I looked ridiculous. I looked like I got electrocuted. <laughs> and yo, that's every curly hair oh that doesn't God. live here. Every curly girl that comes down, it's like she that's always their first rude awakening. Like, bro, my hair. I came from like interviews <laughs> like that. Like I touched the socket. And then, of course, a New Yorker, I came in a business suit for my interviews. I was so hot. It was ridiculous. And you know, our big rude awakening for us, I, I you know, I'm gonna say rude because it was difficult for me but we went to walmart to buy some stuff and no one spoke english mm. and i live in a very hispanic part of miami no one spoke english and you know what i'm bilingual but i wasn't used to using it in my everyday life and so i didn't know how to say celery i didn't know how to say you know i was just i was so frustrated and um Another thing that really took me by surprise was in college, I learned you're never supposed to ask someone where they're from. Mm. Just take them for face value. Just ask them about their hobbies, what they do or whatever, but never ask people oh, where you're from. Yeah. Because so many stereotypes can go along with it. And everyone in Miami asks you. That's the first question. What's your name? Oh, where you where from? You from? So I say, oh, I'm from Brooklyn. <clears throat> oh, I'm from New York. No, no. Where you from? I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, where you from? I'm from Sunset Park. <laughs> and it took me weeks to realize that people are proud of where they come mm -hmm. from or where their family comes from. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt so bamboozled. Like, no one taught me to be super proud or educated me on where my parents are from. Mm. And so, you know, I started to learn about the food and the culture. And I started to learn about, you know, the history. And I felt for, the, I didn't actually, I didn't even identify as Latina. I didn't identify as Hispanic. That's people interesting, ask, coming from New York. No, wow. people ask me, you're from, oh, I'm 
I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. When you're a New Yorker, I feel like it's very even playing field. Yeah. You're either from New Yorker or, or from like Iowa or Chicago, somewhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I don't really I didn't care about people's culture because I'm culturally Christian. Mm-hmm. I care if you're a Christian or a, a Muslim or Jew. You know, I can, I can identify with that, but not culture-wise. And so for me, it's been such an incredible journey of finding pride in that. Mm. And then I came to work for a Latino company, Hispanic company. I work for Univision. And um, it's a very old company, very well established. And a lot of people that I've met there are really tired of like the politics, the company. And for me, I felt like, oh my God, there's Hispanic. You're like, yes! And I'm brown too. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I've been just... I'm so privileged mm. to be part of such a beautiful people that mm-hmm. I didn't know I was a part of, you know? It's like when you find church for the first time and you're like this whole new world. That I think that is so... I had the same experience. I grew up in a Puerto Rican household. Um, I spoke Spanish. Spanish is my first language. Um, I spoke Spanish my whole life. Mm. Um, but I, I, I grew up um, knowing I was Latina, though. Like, it was just... Um, my dad was big with salsa music, merengue, bacha. I mean, I, we listened to everything. Like, my father taught me how to dance, uh, Spanish music. But um, for me, culturally, it was different because Latinos, where I grew up, were not thriving, right? Um. Where my father, the way he was raising us was, uh, my dad was huge on saving money, mm. right? He was huge on saving money. He taught me how to save money from a very young age. Um, the other thing, like my dad always told me, Amanda, you're, you're always going to work harder. You're going to work harder. One, you're Latina. He always told me that you're Latina Two, you're a woman and three, you're a Christian. Those are always going to be the three things that you're going to have to strive harder than everyone else. And I was like, man, dad. And I never understood it till I got to high school and I started understanding the being a Latina thing. I, I learned early on. Right. Cause I was, like I said, I was usually the brown, only Brown girl around. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started getting to high school, I started realizing there's not a lot of thriving Hispanics where we live. So thriving for me, you know, who I could look up to was mostly white or African-American. Um, and then my high school art teacher, I speak about her often. She, her family's actually from Palestine. So for me, that was like the closest thing that looked like to me that was thriving. Her family, her family was what came from money. So I'm like, I can be wealthy. Right. I can be successful. Um, and then I moved to South Florida and I'm like, yo, <laughs> like this is a whole nother whole like yeah. ballpark. I, I came down here. I went to the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. I heard so many different dialects of Spanish spoken. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like a kid in a candy store. I remember one of the first girls I met. Her name was Paula. She was from Panama. And her Spanish was like out of this world. I was like, bro, how do I get to learn how to speak Spanish like you? But then I started meeting all these other people from Argentina and Honduras and Guatemala. I was was like, I didn't even know some of these places even existed. Like you kind of hear about them, but you don't know. So for me, I was like you. I was like, yo, like I just grew up knowing I was Puerto Rican. I had a few Dominican friends. And that's really all I knew. But to know like there was this whole other Mm -hmm. culture of Latinos was like, there's different foods that we eat. I mean, one of my best friends now is Colombian. So he was always teaching me about Colombian food. 
And it was just like such a huge um, culture shock for me down you, here. You know, I, when I was living in New York and when I grew up, one, I have the most incredible mentor on the face of the planet. My sister, she's, I cannot, I wait to tell you about my sister, but, um, so I always felt like things were possible, but identified as a woman, mm. not as a person of color. Mm -hmm. And then I remember the first time I walked into a meeting at Univision and there were so, everyone was brown. I think there was two white people in the room and I didn't care about them. But like I saw for the first time people that looked like me commanding meetings. Like they were so powerful and I felt I identified with something that I never knew mm. I was missing out on. Yeah. And then I was able to like take that torch. Like I, I felt like they lit me, you know? That's dope. So you felt empowered by oh, seeing yes. it. Did you, when you moved down here, um, did you ever deal with um, feeling like this new life that you have now? Uh, you, you live in like a really nice area. Mm -hmm. um, you have this amazing job. You're, mm -hmm. you're being empowered by these people. Did you ever stop and feel like, man, do I deserve this? Do I have the right to have this? Oh, I, I think that everyone suffers with um, uh, imposter syndrome, mm. right? Like, I, I don't belong here. And when you get to a certain level of your career, no matter what it is, whether you're an artist or a business person uh, in the healthcare field, when you this is why community is so important because when you find community or when you make community of like uh, of very similar people in, in age, in in um, in uh, level or whatever you want to call it, you realize everyone else feels the same way. Mm, that's good. And and that's like it takes this it takes off this mask of being an imposter because everyone feels that way. And so once we reveal that and we see, wow, you feel the same way I do, then we can we can like debacle that myth, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, I think all the time, I, that's a lot. I don't feel that way. Let me tell you. Like, just personality-wise, I always feel like I deserve to be in the room. Mm. But that's because of, like, my siblings created this monster that sometimes I need to be, like, told, you, you need to calm down. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> yeah, sit down. And um, what I... What I do feel is I always belong in the room. I don't always belong at the table. Mm. And I've, by the grace of God, I've always had great leaders that have told me, if you're in the room, you belong at the table. Mm. Just take your seat. And um, what I've learned from me is that I always have something to contribute because I am the demographic. That's good. I have so much power just by existing as a Latina, as a woman of color, as a woman, um, as a person who spends money, as a person who wants to be entertained. I am the demographic and I'm always going to be able to, um, to contribute. Even if it's not taken, I have the right to contribute. That's good. And my voice is valid. Even if it's for me. It doesn't always have to be for the room or for the table. I need to prove to myself I'm my own biggest critic. Mm -hmm. And I have to prove to myself not only that I have something valid to say, but I have the courage to say it. So that's, that's 
that's my two cents on that. That's awesome. You, we were uh, kind of going back and forth the other day on social media, mm-hmm. and um, I had said something. You were talking about, um, I think, finding your place mm-hmm. or something like that, and I said, I feel like all creatives feel like that. Mm-hmm. And you said, I'm honored that you would see me as a creative. And I started laughing because I feel like all creative people feel like they're not creative. <laughs> Man, you know <laughs> But you have, um, so what, so rewind a little bit. When I first met you, when you were saying about how uh, you have this thing about, like, you feel like you belong there, that was probably the thing that attracted to me when I met you. I remember first meeting you um, and your husband, Ray, when you guys had first, like, come down to, to Florida, and uh, Chino Life had told me about you guys, and I was super excited to meet you, finally met you, and you just had this confidence about you that I loved. I was like, it was an up north thing, but it was, it was, uh, cause up north people, we kind of have this, this confidence. It's almost like, yo, move out my way. I belong here. Mm-hmm. Right. But it wasn't really that you had, you just had this confidence about you. Like I was just gravitated to your, your personality and I wanted to know everything about you in like that moment. I don't know if you remember when we met. Like, I think I asked you a million and one questions. Yeah. But it was just so, that for me was what, I was like, yo, I love her confidence. Because you just have this thing where when you walk into, well, first of all, your smile is out of hand. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that Thank about you. you. Um, but your personality, your confidence, you, I love that you walk in and you just know that you belong there. And it threw me off because I remember you were telling me, I don't know how I feel about Florida. And I was like, what? You're made for Florida. But you, um, the church that you came to, because you started talking more, then you began to share why it was kind of hard because of the culture that you came from, you know, this Christian culture that you came from in New York. And then coming down here was like completely different. Like, talk to me a little bit about what that was like for you. Because you shared stories with me that I was like, what? What? I couldn't believe that that's where you were coming from. I don't know. I have so many stories. So please put me <laughs> in the direction. But I, I'm young. But I have lived through a lot of church stuff. Mm. I grew up in a very small Pentecostal church. Um, a lot of people have great love for it. I did not experience that there. Mm. I was kicked out when I was 16. Not that I did anything wrong, but um, I was going to seminary at the time, and uh, my pastor found out, and he hated that. He hate, he said that he couldn't be a pastor to churches. I couldn't be a member of the churches. And um, he tried to, I think he tried to kill my spirit, but... I wasn't too sold out on this church thing. I was really sold out on this God thing. Mm. And so I found, at 16, I found a church, Bay Ridge Christian Center in Brooklyn. And I was so, I was moved. And I fell in love with this Jesus. And I had great leaders, um, Edwin and Melinda Pacheco. And then um, when I was in college, I, I visited this other church called the Lambs, and it was educated Christians. I never, I never knew that they were <laughs> educated Christians, and my pastors were incredible, the Salgueros. And then I met Ray, and I went to Christ Tabernacle for the first time. And I kid you, I sat there and I cried because I had never been to a healthy church. Mm. 
Shout out to Chris Durso. <laughs> the, the, the life and the family and the balance that I found at Christ Tabernacle, because the love that Pastor Maria and Michael give, it trickles down into this beautiful place. For me, it was, it wasn't perfect. But it was as healthy as I have ever experienced. Mm, that's awesome. And um, because I had been in abusive churches, I had been in churches where, you know, rape took place, where molestation took place, where people were taken advantage of, where it was just all this stuff. And I wasn't so long in this church thing, but this God thing, though. You know, and this is something that I, I keep going back to that my husband says, you know, that I'm not culturally anything, but I'm culturally Christian. Mm -hmm. and the other day we were talking about, a couple of years ago actually, I feel like it was the other day, we are talking about um, what's our thing? I know that you and Kenyatta maybe sneakers, there's a bunch of stuff. And I don't know that we have any one thing, but we do know that we will serve the Lord mm. for as long as we live. And my, my constant prayer, even before I met Ray, was that all my generations would know of God's faithfulness. And so, you know, we got married, we moved to Miami, and then it was just like this crazy story of finding Vu Church. It came down for my interview. Um, we had reached out on, on Instagram, if anyone knew a realtor down here, and Someone hooked us up with a realtor, and during my interview, I we met up with him. I wanted to look at apartments, and then we moved down. And we were like, it's faster than we ever thought. Just get the apartment mm. for us. And I remember that weekend, someone hit me up on Instagram that in the neighborhood I was living in, there was a women's brunch that I should go to this church. I was like, I'm friendly. I'll go. I remember that story. It will remain nameless, this <laughs> church. It was in my neighborhood. I walk in. And I am ready to meet everyone, right? I felt like I belonged. I always belong. <laughs> I walk in and I'm, uh, I get, I'm, I'm like, this is like a brunch, whatever. And I remember I'm walking through and like, there's something that looks like, like, like uh, mozzarella sticks. I grab it. I'm eating all this breakfast. And then I bite into it and it's a croqueta. <laughs> what is that? I always thought it was gross. I was like, what kind of food do these people have? I've never, ex I never even had one. Isn't that, I think it's like Cuban dish, isn't it's it? Croquetas? Yes, and people love it. Yeah. But I just had never experienced it. I'm like, what is wrong with this mozzarella stick? <laughs> so I sit down at this table of women all about my age. And I'm like, hi, my name is Liz. I, um, I moved here this week. It was, I had moved there Wednesday. It was Saturday. And I'm like, and I'm waiting to meet people. And literally this table of about eight women turn their backs to me and talk to each other. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I eat my food. It was obvious they did not want to engage in conversation. I go and I sit in a row. It just so happened these group of women, I guess, were sat at the row. And they came and got their stuff and went sat somewhere else. Whatever. No one sat like to my left or my right, but there was people in the row. We get to the part of the service where it's like, um, gr greet one another. And I said, I'm like, ready. Someone like, hey greet me. <laughs> and no one shook my hand. No one acknowledged me. 
I was at the point where I, I knew that it was impossible, but I wanted to see someone that I knew. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. And the end of the service came. I, I went to ask about connect groups. I know that that's like the one trigger at a church. <laughs> if you ask Everyone's about got a connect, connect group. <laughs> they will. Um, right. And when I spoke to the, to the deacon, I don't know what she was, a helper, a servant. I don't know. She told me, she, she shoved this piece of paper in my hand and told me to look at the website. Wow. And she just ignored me. And then um, I went out to the parking lot and I cried and I called my husband. And he, said he would he would pick me up. And it's so unlike me to feel that way. Yeah. And I wrote a blog about it. And Pastor Maria from Christ Tabernacle, she called me. She was like, first of all, I didn't tell you to go to that church, so that's your fault. <laughs> Second of all, you're going to go to Trinity Church and God's going to show you where to go. So that night, Ray um, hit someone up on Instagram about music. And he's like, oh, you know, talking to this guy. And we noticed that a lot of people were Christians down here and went to church. Yeah. And he's like, well, um, Ray said, I don't know if you're a Christian, but if you are, would you mind picking us up for church tomorrow? A random person on Instagram. The guy was like, sure. <laughs> the next day, we get in this random person's car. I didn't know who they were. And we end up driving for a while. And I'm I'm doing my makeup. And I, and I get out of the car and I said, oh, well, what church is this? I couldn't see the name of it. And he's like, oh, I'm a pastor at Trinity Church. It was Chino. <laughs> so Shout out to Chino Life. Always plugging everybody uh, in. <laughs> so we walk into this church. And I had this feeling. Like I wanted to see someone I knew. And I knew it was impossible. And I'm walking in. And someone starts running to us with arms open. I said, who is this? It was our realtor. It was Chris Lopez. Wow. And we we get, you know, our pastors had called ahead that we would be visiting. They had seats for us. And we went back to meet Pastor Rich. I, <clears throat> to a full confession, had no idea who he was. He was not important to me. So we get there, and um, they tell us that they had a church plant that was starting, and that it was an interest meeting that night. People had asked us to be part of so many church plans, and it just wasn't our thing. We were like, mm, sure, we'll go. We walk into the Miami Rescue Mission that night, and I start crying. <laughs> and immediately I knew that it didn't matter what my profession was. We were called here for a free church. Mm -hmm. And I remember, <laughs> I say some crude jokes sometimes, but I remember I told Ray, I said, I really hope they don't do animal sacrifices here because I'm totally in. <laughs> Man, Vu has changed our life. It's such a healthy place with incredible leaders. I never knew that there could be a church like that. And there was people, something in Miami is that people are, people grind here, but they're not so occupied by their profession or their culture, or where they want to go, that they're too busy for God. Mm -hmm. And man, every day I just fell more in love with this place. When when I first uh, met you guys, that was one of the things that um, I was so impressed with you and Ray. You guys wasted no time in jumping in. I never forget, I think there was an event or something happened at Trinity, and Ray was like being the DJ or something. It was like the first day, like, and he just jumped in. And I remember thinking to myself, and I think I said it to my husband, whatever church they land at, 
that church is going to be blessed that they are going to have those people there. And then when you guys start going to Blue Church, because um, I think I came to Trinity like uh, a few weeks after you guys had just gotten here. Ray's like in the front doing announcements <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, yo, this guy like just got here. But I thought that was um, phenomenal that you guys were those type of leaders and that you guys went to Voo Church. And that is the heartbeat of Voo Church is like to come be a part of us, be, you know, you guys have just been, I felt like you guys were able to take, uh, grab a hold of Pastor Rich and Don Cherie's vision and just roll with it and really. It's a God thing. It's, it's phenomenal to see how, how, how God used your job to move you down here. But it had nothing to really do with your job. No, it doesn't. It, it didn't at all. You know, um, Avu, there's this principle, this belief that it is our privilege to serve. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced that. I, I, I hated this church thing growing up. I remember I asked, I was young. I remember I walked up to the pastor. I must have been like 10 and I was like, yo, when you giving me my parents back? They're always here. <laughs> what? He told me I had demons, let me tell you. <clears throat> but I, I, I didn't like this, this mm-hmm. sort of church culture thing. And at who it's such a privilege to yep. serve. And you know, to be honest, you we haven't chatted in a while. But to be honest, at, at who I had a really hard time for, um, for a season because I didn't grow up in healthy places. You know, I was mm-hmm. only at Christ Tab for like two years before. I just didn't have this this background. I was serving so much, and leadership always said, "Take time to grow, take time to do this." And because I didn't know how to have that balance, when more was was asked of me, I could have said no, and they would have been fine. Mm. But because I was so used to people taking advantage of me in church. And I hadn't been there long enough to to know that, that it was a safe space. Yeah. Like, I had a really, really hard time. But just the healing that I've received there as well, like, knowing balance, um, like, being able to identify my season, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I'm so grateful. And we're so excited for the future of Vu Church. Like if, I, like, if I work there, I don't even know. <laughs> but we're completely sold out. When you grow up in church, right, you can you can grow up with the culture of church but not really have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I I was like that. I grew up in church. Um, my parents were always at church. Mm-hmm. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, yeah, Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday, Monday. Like it was just nonstop. Uh, when you I were began, one of those kids that went in pajamas like me? Yo, it was just out of <laughs> hand. So when I got older, <clears throat> you know, uh, starting to hit 13, 14, it was now like, hey, can I stay home? You know, mm-hmm. do I have to go to the Damas meeting with you? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, my parents were now allowing me to not have to go. Like, I would have to go to service and stuff. But it's actually a huge reason why I left church. Because I felt like church um, stole my time with my parents, yeah, right? Yeah. So when I got older, um, I felt like, you know, and my and I love and respect my parents now for it. Because now I'm an adult. I can totally see what they were doing. But as a kid, you don't fully understand it. All these people are coming in and out of my house. They need help. Meanwhile, me and my brother are going through our own stuff. But we have to wait in line for help, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was a huge thing for me. It was a huge reason why I left church. Mm-hmm. You know, I stopped going to church for many years. Uh, not many years, but, you know, enough. Time. Um, and so 
I finally came back around, but I started from scratch. I was like, I need to know what this Christianity thing is, but I just need to know who God is. And that was, that was my prayer. It was a simple prayer. It was like, God, I've heard about you my entire life, but if I'm going to do this, like, I want to know who you are, just me and you. No one coming in telling me these things. Like, I just wanted to know what it was to have a relationship. And that is what completely changed my life. I came to South Florida, got back on my feet, and I started getting to know who God was. And it was a struggle for me in serving because right away it's like, hey, get involved. And you're like, bro, like, no. Like, and thankfully at the time, I had a job that I traveled. So it wasn't really conducive to me serving. But I think God was strategic in that anyways because it was like she's not in a place to serve anyway. And so finally, you know, when I was able to stop traveling and my husband and I got married, um, they asked us to start serving in youth. And I've always had a heart for young people. Like, I love young people. I love young adults. And we began to serve. But even in me serving, I loved it. But I learned how to create a balance. Um, I learned how to guard my marriage with it. And now that I have children, I've learned how to guard my kids with it because I never want my kids to feel like church is a priority for me. I want to love people. I want to love people the way God loves us. I want to make sure that the relationship with the Lord is my priority, not uh, the culture of church. But I want my kids to know, like, this is a joy to serve people. And I love that my kids love, they'll go, I'm like, I want to help and I want to do this. And for me, that has been a huge thing with creating balance. Um, We've gone through seasons where I'm not really, my husband and I are kind of all over the place and it's like, hey, we got to take a break, you know, and we took a break, I think it was last year and it was awesome for us because we were just in a different season of life. So for you, like to say, you know, you have to know your season. That's so important. I think young couples miss out on that. Um, And I think it's important for you because your husband travels a lot. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys deal with that? Like him being on the road, him coming home, um, it looks like you guys do well with creating time for yourselves. Okay, so a little background on me. I'm the senior manager of scheduling for a TV network for the digital side mm-hmm. of things. And scheduling, planning, like that is my Your thing. <laughs> passion. We have uh, monthly meetings where we go over our calendars. We sync our calendars. And um, I do them on paper. We do them on a dry erase board. <laughs> um, and we do Google calendars. And so once our month is planned out, we can say, um, okay, well, in this month, you're gone X amount of days or all the days, when is our date night going to be? Whether that's on Skype, whether that's in person, whether that means picking them up from the airport and going to have alone time. Um, and I, I think any married woman can testify that just because you go to the movies doesn't mean that it's a date. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be a pre-planned moment where we call it a date yeah and we go through things um for me it's routine i really love routine and so um for us it's checking in uh how are you what are you reading what's your spiritual walk life like um how can i pray for you and um really just i think really trying to outserve each other while we're together because it's my privilege to serve my husband. And I've never been this like uh, submissive. My, head is, my, my husband is the head of my I don't, I don't know all that. But I do know that it's such a privilege to serve my husband. And the more I serve him, the more I see God in that. Mm. 
And uh, there's this incredible book that I think was a real game changer for us. It's called You and Me Forever by mm-hmm. uh, Lisa Chan and Francis Chan. And it talks about how it's our privilege to allow our spouse to do what he is called for or what she is called for. And that sometimes it's it's a race and sometimes one person is holding the baton and the other one's not and the other one's waiting to tap out. And so I think that that's where we are. Once we were able to identify the season in our life, my husband gets to do full-time ministry with artists. Mm-hmm. He gets to do something he loves. I don't know if it'll last forever. But if it doesn't, it would have sucked if I would have moaned and groaned this whole time and not allowed him to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to enjoy it. I definitely am a planner, so I don't do well with like this last-minute spontaneous <laughs> stuff. And that's an area that I've had to be challenged in. I had to grow in. So if he's in a city that I want to go into, I can just go and do and be. And I'm really friendly. I'll get to know people. Yeah. I'm fine being on my own. I think it's a mixture of having a plan. Like, what are the areas we're going to connect on? For us, it's our spiritual walk, our finances, Mm -hmm. and just our goals in general. And then on the other side, it's being able to be spontaneous, learning to forgive freely. We're individuals. We're a team, but we're partners. So he's doing his own thing, and I'm doing my own thing. And... And it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that for us, it's just a dance, you know? I think it's huge because um, I've seen Ray on the road, right? And he's phenomenal at what he does. Amazing. And um, I'm, always, I'm always watching him. Whenever I do get to see him on the road and stuff, it's just like uh, people speak of him so highly. Like what Ray is, he's the guy who will plug any hole. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Anything amazing. that's happening that needs to be fixed, like he'll, he'll fix it. And I love that because he, he just has a servant's heart. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, he, he gives 100% of what he does. Um, and I, I know what it's like to constantly be on the road and the hustle and the bustle. And sometimes you just want to come home and just, like, disconnect. Um, but I love that he. it seems like you guys are very intentional with the time that you guys put in because he is. He's on the road so much. But I think it's good that you guys are so intentional with, with both sides that that whole like Skype thing, that's so important. Like when people travel, I think technology is, is saving marriages. <laughs> because be real, <laughs> shout out to FaceTime and all that stuff, you know, like that stuff is, you know, so important. I think, um, you know, when you're, when you're young in your marriage too, if you're not intentional with that stuff. And I, I love every conversation I have with you because I feel like you guys are growing every time I hear you guys speak just in every area. Um, you guys are going into six years, right? Mm-hmm. Marriage. Six years of marriage. And you guys are, are growing in, in all these areas. Um, and I love now that you guys are focusing on the financial part of it. Mm-hmm. Are you guys, um, with what you're doing with that, are you guys involved in helping other young people to get their finances together? Oh, yeah. It's a huge passion of mine. I brought it up to our pastor about a year, a year ago, a year and a half at this point asking that we could teach financial peace and financial peace is a nine week finance course, like a personal finance course. Um, you know, uh, when you grow up poor, when you're a person of color, we do have to work so much harder. And, um, I think a, a lot for me, I can talk about myself. I grew up knowing how to survive, mm. how to be content, but there comes a point where we are blessed beyond that 
and we have to learn how to manage wealth. And how are we supposed to know how to manage that if no one taught us? They didn't have it, so they didn't teach us. And so for me, it's a really big passion to instruct people, to help people to be on this journey together. Uh, we're huge believers in living debt-free. We're mm. 100% debt-free. Um, we cash flow absolutely everything, and we live below our means, and we're okay with that. That means that we do have that 10-year-old car. That means that we don't get to go on vacations like everyone else. That means that we live in an apartment and we don't buy a house yet. The, it means all those things, but for me, success is peace. Mm. And if I have peace in my home, in my marriage, everything else is just extra. That's so good. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. We, uh, when we went full time to do music, I remember, um, we were full in our careers and stuff and I had just had my daughter and so my mom was tripping. She's like, how are you guys going to go full time? You just have kids. What about health insurance? And all the practical questions everyone asked, but we just knew that that's what God had called us to do. And so, um, I remember, uh, in that season of us doing music, like we learned how to remanage our money. And it's interesting how you begin to look at your finances and see, what you actually need to live off of and how much more you're spending beyond what you actually need. Um, and we've, my husband and I have been like that too for years. Like we didn't want to owe any money. We wanted to make sure everything was paid off. Like our cars, mm -hmm. we're going to run that car to the ground, mm -hmm. like just all that stuff. And, um, ironically, like when we, when we, uh, went through that season of, um, being on the road and stuff, we actually gave more than we had given, prior when we were working in our full-time careers yeah. and we were able to see just the blessings of it. Um, and then after that season, like even when we started, like our finances got better, you know, and we, we were back in, in full swing of making money and stuff. We still lived like <laughs> we didn't have it. So it worked for us, you know, and a lot of our friends were like, man, you guys don't have any debt. We were like, no, like everything was cash. Everything yeah. was very, um, and, you know, I learned that from my parents. I learned my parents taught me how to save money at a very young age. My dad, you know, I've always loved sneakers. Uh, one of my first jobs was at Lady Foot Locker. And I remember I used to always want to buy sneakers because I played basketball. I always, always wanted sneakers. And my dad uh, taught me a lesson that till this day, I've kept it in my back pocket. And I remember he said, uh, Amanda, if you want a pair of sneakers, how much are they? And I think at the time they were like 60 bucks or something. Yeah. At that time, 13, four, uh, 15 years old, that's a lot of money, that's right? A lot of money, yeah. So I'm like, um, I'm like, dad, I think they're like 60 bucks. He said, how about this? I'm going to have the guys from my job send home all these shoes and you can shine the shoes. And my brother's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. So I was like, well, I'll help you. Right. So my dad brings home like two or three huge garbage bags full of shoes. Right. And, um, I think my brother's like five pair of shoes in, I think my dad said he'd give us like a quarter, a pair. Right. So my dad, my brother's like five shoes and he's like, man, this job sucks. Like I only made a dollar 25 in the past, whatever. And so I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I remember shine. I, I had my whole little thing. I lined up the shoes and I started buffing them things away. And I remember making my little $30 after a few weeks of shining these people's shoes. Oh my at God. My, How my, many shoes did you do? Yo, Jesus. it was like three bags, right? So after a few weeks, like, you know, they were sending me shoes. And I, and I, I had my little shoe shine business yeah. right but for me like i learned what it was to earn a quarter and how long it took me to earn a dollar and so when i finally got my money i had my th little 30 dollars. my dad said he'd go half with me 
Um, my dad was like, all right, you ready to go? I was like, yeah, let's go. So I remember we went to the store and I'm, I'm trying on the shoes and my dad's all excited for me. He was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And I remember when we went to go pay for the shoes, I decided not to get the shoes because I realized how hard it was for me to make this money. And my dad says to me, hey, how about I pay pay you, uh, pay you for the, the shoes and you just pay me back? And I was like, Dad, I never want to owe you any money. And it was a lesson that I learned until this day. I've always been like that. And so I just think when you're a good steward of your money, God honors that. It's so hard practically yeah. to do that. You know, um, uh, I'm going through a season right now at work where my job is very, very uncertain. Mm. Just in the TV industry in general, it's very uncertain. And so it looks like I will be laid off in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, but we got an incredible emergency fund. You know, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Like any human being, you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. One, I know that I wasn't, I wasn't moved just because of that job. Mm. Two, God provides 100,000%. We're, we're completely fine in that. And we have an emergency fund. We can do that. Yeah. You know? And, and also, I'm extremely skilled. I can find another job. We're completely fine with that. And, you know, so when I was going over our budget and just, you know, like, okay, well, where can we, you know, save a little money here, save a little money there? Um, I was like, oh, you know what? We have upped our income. We have, let's up our, our tithing. Let's up our giving. And it's so counterintuitive, but when you give, it's our privilege to yep. give. And it's not that when we give that the Lord will provide in turn, but he knows how to give good gifts. Yep. And promotion is only from the Lord. I remember we were at a, at a conference one time. We were dating. We weren't even engaged. And uh, it was a missions conference. And the person said, how much of your income is God's? And Ray and I both said it very, very enthusiastically, 10%. And the whole room said 100. Mm. That was such a lesson. That's such a lesson about how everything we have is his. I think it was uh, Dave Ramsey, if I'm not mistaken. But he said something about how if we get the idea of knowing that the money we have is actually not ours. It belongs to the Lord. He's just giving it to us to manage it. Mm -hmm. Like when you function with you that twice about that Starbucks yeah it's run. like oh dang I, I remember my pastor um a few years ago changed my whole perspective of it he was talking about um the power of giving and he said you know we don't give to get back right i think sometimes we get that a lot of people will get i don't like to give because we're giving to church blah 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 it's not even about that right it's the heart behind why we give but and it's not that if you give uh you know 100 percent or 100 dollars. god's gonna give you a million it's not that but god when god when we talk about god being a god of provision you know he takes care of stuff so it's like having that car right and i remember he said this he was like sometimes it's about you giving and god is you know taking care of the car that should have broken down <laughs> months ago right and you you're still driving this car that it's you're looking at it like man this car should have broke down forever ago but god is covering it because you're being so faithful with it and i think that's such a huge lesson that um yeah that we have to learn and even with our gifts right like you have so many gifts mm -hmm. so even in this season of knowing one you got peace because you're like okay we have our mm -hmm. finances set up but you have so many gifts and skills and talents mm -hmm. that are outside of 
Like you are an amazing photographer. Thank you. Thank you. This is why when you talk about I'm not a creative, you are totally a creative. You do calligraphy. You teach classes. Like I feel like there's nothing you can't do. I agree. <laughs> I belong here. <laughs> I, I think that um, so much of my life is about growth. Mm. I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning and doing. And there are so many outlets nowadays. I've been doing photography for 10 years. Um, now the team is led by someone else at VU. And, and, I, and people that I taught them how to shoot have never shot a camera. Now they're leading. Awesome. This is what it's about. It's about being able to grow something, let it be sustainable, and moving to some, something else. And so um, for me, it's so, so many different aspects of life where you're talking to a banker or, or a doctor or a dentist or whatever – we all can contribute something. Mm -hmm. And and I hope that when I'm 70, I would have had so many lifetimes. If if I think that I've made it now, like, I'm kidding myself. Yeah. Right? I think Colonel Sanders started KFC when he was 70. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can do so many other things. And I would hope that my career or my passions don't stop here. Mm -hmm. I hope that I'm... Uh, um, a baker or whatever it is, you know, because God is a God of so many different facets mm -hmm. and he keeps evolving and I want to be like him. You know, he's created so many beautiful things and I want to be like that. So that's what I love about you're not one dimensional. Like I, I love that you're open to whatever is next. And I think that's, that's the thing where, uh, you and Ray, I love about that. I love about, like, I can't wait to see you guys be parents. I'm excited. You're not parents <laughs> yet, but I'm excited too. <laughs> you guys being parents is going to be like a whole nother, I think that's going to be dope to see that. Man, I think that so much of my life, I, I want to just, I want to show more grace, but I really want to be gracious with myself. And that's why I never, ever, ever comment on people's parenting. Mm. Because I, you know, the, the, Best experts on marriage are people that are not married, right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're, you should do this, you should do that. You're like, and, Man, you and I think know. right now I see a lot of the experts on parenting are people that don't have kids, mm. and I hate that because I don't know. I don't, I I want to work until my dying day. I don't know if I'm gonna look at my kid and I want to be a stay at home mom. I'm not gonna talk bad about stay at home oh, moms. Yeah. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, maybe I want to be a creative. Maybe I want to stay at home. Maybe. My kid is nuts. Maybe my kid is incredible. I don't know. And so I never comment on people's parenting. Yeah. Because I don't know what that kid and is And every like. kid is different. Yes. Every kid is different. And every parenting style is different. And it's not my kid. So you do whatever you like. You, <laughs> you don't, do you. Don't you. Sugar, I'm not going to give you sugar. You know, like whatever. Um, but yeah, I think right now in this season, it's my, my priority is my marriage. And my priority is... Um, making sure that we're good, making sure that, that we are growing and trying to learn each other and having grace with each other. And um, I want a marriage like, unlike any other marriage I've seen before, because we have incredible marriages around us, but that's not my marriage. Mm -hmm. I think singles now, um, they say a lot, oh, I'm looking for a wife, I'm looking for a husband. The fact is that all the husbands are taken. <laughs> All the wives are taken. You got to find a starter pack. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so right now, this is what the Lord has given me. And I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to make much of it. And so I'm really excited. Um, being Christian and being married, I think, is um, 
some people make it look so easy, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. It's so much. Oh my God, it's so much work. And in the church, we don't talk. Of, I think the two main taboo topics in church and at a church is sex and money. Mm. And if we don't talk about them, right, how, how do you expect to be incredible at both if you don't talk about them? Mm-hmm. If you don't share, if you don't share your insecurities, if you don't share all these things. And so um, in this season, I'm really excited. Um, and I hope we're parents at some point, but not today. And due time, and due time. And due time. Due season. I'm excited for you guys. Um, I think it's it's been it's been awesome just to uh, see you know what what God is doing has done in your life. It's uh, awesome to see what He's doing. I love that. Like I said, every time I speak to you guys, like it's I feel like I'm uh, I have a, I always feel like I'm have a conversation with you when you guys are getting ready to step into a new season. Mm. I love that. Um, so I just think, you know, I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job. I think you guys are great examples for some of these young folk out mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm just excited to see what's next for you guys. I don't know. And I'm so excited that I don't know. I think sometimes when we know what's next, we would chicken out. Yeah, no, you just got to go with the flow. I'm going with the flow. I'm not a go with the flow type of person. I know, you're a scheduler. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm excited. Let's see. Let's see what this season holds. And uh, my trust is in the Lord and whatever that looks like. Good stuff. So, yeah. so how can people follow you? Oh, Give them all your um, socials. Okay. So I'm on Instagram at Mrs. Liz Castro. That's MRS Liz Castro. Um, that's basically it. And my website is MrsLizCastro.com. So make sure you guys follow her. She's a phenomenal photographer if you want your... Uh, you picture game set up. She'll hook you up. She'll make you look good. Yeah. If you want that calligraphy stuff popping, she does all type of fonts, yeah. <laughs> all type of all type of great writing typography. She'll have your whole logo looking. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't even do logos. No, oh, I do. You're you're like, I I I think that's why you and I get along. I feel like we just have this whole like gumbo full of talent. Like, let's. What are we gonna do today? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why stop growing? Why you know stop learning? I love it. One thing I love about South Florida is that we have so many creative people here. Oh like, God, if you're not incredible. inspired here, you're just bored with Man, life. It's incredible. So many incredible creatives here. I'm I just love inspired. it. There's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote a post about that today is that so many of us get so intimidated by seeing other people's success, and there is room for everyone. Yeah. I have an incredible creative that I follow, a good friend of mine called Polly Coronado, and she will, oh, you want to learn how to shoot a wedding? She'll give you a wedding that she booked. Wow. And she'll just do it, and, and she's always like, there's always going to be another one. Like, let's just cheer each other on. Let's do I'm it. I love it. I'm, yeah. I, some, I love seeing people win. People that know me know. I just, I love to see people win. So if, if I have an opportunity to, like, help somebody, like, that's for me, it's just like, uh, we just, we just, I just hired someone the other day. Um, remember Kat, you know, Kat, Catalina, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I've been watching her artwork for a while and she's just growing and she's mm-hmm. launched into this new phase of her art, uh, career. And so I'm working on a project right now and I'm the type of person that I always, um, try to keep people in my mind of who can I create an opportunity for? And for her, like, she's just going into this new season of stuff. And I'm working on a project, and it came up. We were like, man, we need an art director. And I was like, I wonder if she'd be interested in directing this, right? She's never done it. 
but I believe that she can do it. And so of I course, call her and I'm course. like, yo, Kat, I think I have something for you. And she's like, what, what? So I'm telling her about it. She's like, oh my God, I would love to do it. It's my first time. I was, she's like, I've never done it. I was like, yeah, but I believe you can do it. And so anyway, hired her or got her booked in whatever. And that type of stuff for me is like, I love that because yes. one, I get to challenge her, right. To, to take what she wants to do to another level Two, because I know she's going to kill it. Once she kills it, like to know, like, yo, see that, like, and just be able to celebrate her sex success with her. That's something that I love about you. Like we were saying before we started, you're such an elevator. You're such a woman of vision. You're such just an incredible creative, and um, you create you you create and cultivate community wherever you go, and you're so easy to connect with. And that's why the Lord continues to bless you guys. And I hope that you guys continue to just pour out on people and. You know, it's such a such a funny God dynamic that the more you pour yourself out, the more he fills you. And I yeah. think that's what you guys do. And I'm I love it. I'm blessed. I Yeah, that stuff is, for me, is just, sometimes I'll sit and kind of see, you know, what, just things that I've had my hand in that people don't even know about. And I just smile. And I'm like, God, you have such a sense of humor. Like, And some of these things is stuff I didn't even know beforehand and kind of just learning. But um, it's such a, it's such a, uh, gratifying feeling for me and I'm always like man I wish everyone could feel like this <laughs> but I get it you know everyone has different giftings but I do I, I I'm I'm humbled when God allows us you know the opportunity to bless other people and so for me it's one of those like uh we partner with him yeah That's and it's it like what I was thing. sharing with you guys earlier like just know what we talked about knowing your season and knowing when it's a new season it's 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 making yourself available and saying all right God like what's next and can I just say something? I think that one of the things I've been realizing in the last year or so is that balance is such a myth. Mm. It's just seasonal. Like in some seasons, you can do some things. In some seasons, you can't. And I think, you know, I always say like, I can't like, you can't expect me to do my hair and my makeup and brush my teeth and get to somewhere on time. Like I got to do like two <laughs> out of three. Like I just can't. You're not getting all of them. <laughs> I just can't. I don't got six hours to get ready. And so... You know, in some seasons, you can start something. In some seasons, you can end something. Mm -hmm. In some seasons, it's about you and your marriage. And in some seasons, it's about something else. You know, yep. and, and just to give grace for that. I really believe in that. Good stuff. Liz, thank you so thank much you for, for coming up me. here. I so appreciate you. You and Ray are awesome. Guys, make sure you guys follow her. Mrs. Liz Castro. She's phenomenal. One of my homies. Make sure you guys follow her so she can be your homie. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> thanks again. Appreciate you, Ray. Thanks for your your uh, gift of everything. He's just a man, yo. Make sure you guys follow him too, yo. Social Club and Andy and all of them be having him busy. <laughs> but shout out to the Castros. Mrs. Liz Castro, make sure you guys follow her. Guys, thanks for joining me. This is Butter P. You're listening to Kicking It With Butter, the podcast. I see the look in your eyes. I know that look in your eyes. I know you know it's a vibe. Hey, this finna ride. Homie, don't you even try. Nothing but love up inside. Hey, we got the glow. So don't you be throwing no shade. Hey, we do it all for the night. Yeah, cause we ain't never been the same. So all up, baby. Leveled up, yeah, upgraded. We stay on a replay. Tell the DJ just put it in rotation for motivation. Tell them put it on the playlist on every station. All my people in the building hope they can feel it. This right here is something different and make a difference. 
Hey, thanks for kicking it with me today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do me a favor. If you can just rate the show, let people know what you think, that would be awesome. And be sure to follow me online at Kicking It With Butter. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. All right, I'm gonna catch you guys later.